Welcome to the Hotel Calcified podcast. I'm Rich Mounts, one of your hosts, along with Dr. Joel Franzen and Dr. Tom Shackleton. How are you both? I'm doing very well. How about you, Tom? Fantastic. Love, love to be and here. Richard, are you doing well too? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. It was a hell of a day today. We'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, <laughs> in the last episode, uh, Tom, you jumped like the, the cold test that brings the gluteus maximus response. <laughs> we had one of those in our chair today as well. It was a very interesting day in the office. Um, but let's start our conversation on dental malpractice. And I'm curious as a starting place, how would each of you define what is malpractice? Uh, Tom, why don't we start with you? What's what are your thoughts on what's the what's the the dividing line between a bad result, unfavorable result, and what would be considered true malpractice? Well, I think everybody has. I guess it depends on your definition of an unfavorable result or a bad result. Everybody has bad results. Sometimes you can have a bad crown or a bad filling. Uh, you know, no fault of the dentist or a bad endo. Um, but if everything is done to the standard of, uh, what somebody with your background and training in that area would do, and you have a proper diagnosis, justification, everything is up to snuff with the procedure, meaning you weren't using ozone to irrigate the tooth. Uh, I, I, sorry, I just have a bug up my backside about that kind of crap. Uh, uh, How about cavity? Oh, cavitation. Don't even get me started on that. We're going to derail this already. Yeah, we're going to derail it already. On cavitation, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, The Nico crowd. They're loons. So, I, uh, yeah, I think if if everything you do is appropriate and there's persistent pain or a failure, you know, you have a nice root fill, there's no untreated canal space. Um, Again, it's an appropriate diagnosis, uh, but for whatever reason, the endo still failing. I mean, it's properly documented. You know, all the boxes have been checked. Appropriate conversation with your patient. I think that's above board. I think it's when we start seeing things. And I think we all see this where there's no, I mean, maybe there's partial diagnostic testing or, uh, you know, the, the preoperative PA doesn't show the apex uh, of one or more of the roots. Uh, uh, there's no... There's no diagnosis. There's no, again, appropriate diagnostic testing, no consent or uh, whether it's written in the chart or a signed consent form. I like a signed consent form. It just, you know, it gives diagnosis. Um, uh, talk discussion of pros and cons. Uh, you know, did you use a rubber dam? There's also the, you know, the anti-rubber dam mafia that just, you know, oh, the rubber dam police is coming to get us. Honestly, that's another group I'd like to just, you know, cancel. Can I cancel them? Is it okay? Can I cancel them? Can I become a Gen X and just cancel them? Canada to cancel somebody yeah. or is it like ubiquitous cancelate? We're all canceled. Just cancel. Just cancel that crowd that's- and the whole, don't use a rubber dam. You don't need a rubber dam. Oh, uh, rubber dam, please. And so... Um, I mean, who doesn't like uh, a little bleach cocktail? I know I do in the afternoon. It's delicious. Can I get a side of EDTA with that? That would be nice. So uh, I, I think, you know, there's a lot of ways to, to screw the pooch on that. And I think, uh, you know, just, just basically do the right thing, man. And I think 
Okay. You'll, you'll be in a better place. You'll be in a better place. Brother Joel, how would you define malpractice? Well, if we if we boil it down to like the case we were talking about in part one. So you got that possible prophylactic root canal or not, right? So malpractice. Did you do you have clinical tests to back up your diagnosis? And does your diagnosis so do you have a diagnosis? Do you have tests to back up your diagnosis? And does your treatment plan make sense? And you don't have those three things, you're you're verging into malpractice land, right? Even if you're doing is what you're doing is right, you can't defend it. It's you're yeah. on weak ground. So have tests, have a diagnosis, and the treatment make sense from your diagnosis, then you're 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 not venturing into malpractice. You take that wherever you're going. Does it make sense? I'm I'm shucking these wisdoms, right? Like what what are the reasons for doing the wisdom and what's my diagnosis and blah blah blah. And and we do that with the endo is spoil it down to so I've got the tests and blah blah blah. So every so the dentists who are listening, every tooth you do a crown prep on, you have to have a PA of it. Right? You don't if you have just a bite wing of it then you're in you're 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 just setting yourself up for getting a telling off um and also do you have a pulp yeah. test and probings and if you don't have that then you don't know what you don't know and yeah. that can that can hurt you cuz i've seen the guys oh it's a root canal treated tooth done a few years ago and they prep it for crown prep and haven't even taken a new pa and there's massive radiolucent lesion there yeah. and, or or now it looks like the roots are cracked but they didn't take a pa cuz you know yeah. and you're like you're so you know almost like think when you're back like if a clinical instructor looked at it do i have data right for my diagnosis and does my diagnosis make sense one two three you know and that, that's kind of what i boil it down to yeah, yeah. I, if I, you I, want I, to have I, a really high go ahead i no go ahead i was just going to say if you want to have a really hot patient in your chair uh or have a really uncomfortable phone call uh yeah just do that don't take the pa and just go ahead and prep the crown you know, sometimes you'll win and sometimes you'll lose, but I got to tell you, the cost of losing could be could be pretty steep. Right. So I'm curious in Canada, what's your liability risk landscape? Um, I know in England, in the UK, I've, I've interviewed a number of uh, English dentists in when in the last, let's say, three years, and their liability landscape was really severe in terms of risk of being sued and a lot of people looking to, you know, get grounds to sue them. Um, I I know what I think is the landscape here in the United States. I'm curious in Canada, how much is the, you know, how litigious is the general public? I don't think that litigious. I think it's, it's thrown around as a threat, mm -hmm. but the mm -hmm. actual mechanisms of it are not easy for someone to endure. Like right. it's not easy to go through the process. So certainly, yes, if the dentist did hurt you, then it'll be worth your while to go through the court process. But if you're angry and just want to beat up on a dentist, it's not worth it. And you don't yeah. get big, you don't get big settlements, you know, um, like they don't, and, and we have, the dentists have insurance. So, um, yeah, if you hurt somebody, then yeah, it'll, it'll go the whole way, but you don't get dentists being dragged into court yeah. for nearly things. They, they, they do a lot of the time they do discovery, right? And right. Yeah. 
and in the discovery, you know, basically if they don't have a letter from other dentists saying your work fell short of the mark, then what's the point of even taking the court? Right. Because as he said, she said, you need basically in order for it to get into court, you need other dentists saying his stuff was garbage. Yeah. And, then no, like, and, and the court does the court does not like vexatious lawsuits yeah. and they'll do everything they can to just run those out. So yeah. somebody's pissed off at their dentist for whatever reason uh, they barked at him. Um, you know, I not so long ago, some guy reached up and grabbed my hands and I barked at him. I was like, don't do that. Don't do that. I said, if I have something sharp in my hands and you grab my hands, if that's not going to work out for you. So you have a problem. Like I said, you put up your hand, but don't go grabbing me. So, you know, we, I think did, we sort of made up after that. You? Oh, no. No, well, not yet anyway. You know? What did you do to him? <laughs> exactly right. You know, so no, I think the, the courts here, they don't, they don't like those. They don't like those cranky, those cranky lawsuits. But yeah, it, 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 it is very to, uncomfortable. Yeah. Lawyers are expensive, right? And because they're not going to really want to take a case because they're not usually that the winnings aren't that big, right? Unless you, you know, you really hurt somebody. And yeah. so they, a lot of them will try to represent themselves, right? Oh. Yeah. Like in a small claims court, right? And it's just like, so it doesn't really unless you actually did cause them or the person's really hurt and they're trying to drag you into something you weren't involved with. Yeah. But for the most part, I don't know of many dentists, you know, having to go through a horrible court thing and our college, I, from my wife, she's done a little, a lot of chats with American dentists and my impression of American college is that they might not be as draconian as our college. Like it's for us, it's not the court, it's the college, the, the regulatory Same. body. In Alberta, you worry about the college, not a lawsuit. Not the courts. Because no. they can suspend your license. Um, they can fine you, you know, like, but you really have to hurt somebody. But they, they're they coming to snap your knuckles, right? And, yeah. and, and so what's happened is, you know, you sharpen your thing and you know you're safe. But they're looking to, and what happened before in British Columbia, we lost autonomy. The government's taken over, governs as a profession, we've lost it. Um, but when we had autonomy, it was like the dentists were really protecting our autonomy. We didn't want to lose it to government bureaucrats. So they were brutal on dentists. They were like, now that the yeah. government's taken it over, because I mentored general dentists to get in trouble, they almost seem to be softer. Like, I'm Isn't like funny? clubs. I'm like okay. Um, you know it's early days yet, but they really like. Oh, I remember the old bad old days. You know, like this one dentist. What was it? He was in the office. He put on a glove. He hadn't touched the patient. And they said, "There's a call for you." So the dentist walked from putting on the glove and picked up the phone, had his little conversation, took the glove off, put it in the garbage, and a, and a snarky employee complained about him, and then he got you know a letter. And he had to do some, you know, infection control courses. Like he actually didn't break any rules. You're allowed to pick up a phone with yeah. a glove, but you know yeah. that's how they were like, oh, yeah. And now it becomes like the Stanford prison experiment, right? Where we start, we'll sometimes govern ourselves and be more draconian than if an outside body does. But we've we've had uh, in Alberta, we've had some issues with with that. It's I think it's getting to a better place now that. Yeah, I think a lot of the time we 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 just don't want to complain to the college. We'll take a lawsuit any day. 
And I, I heard in Alberta, the oh. college will save a patient complains is they really put, and I could be wrong. They really push the dentist to settle. Even if the dentist is right. Like, yes. Just placate yes. Where our college doesn't do money at all. Like No. And, and Alberta for a long time, if it went to a hearing, you were going to lose and you were going to get raked over the coals. So they're just, they just say, just settle. And it's way less expensive. It's way easier. It's quicker. And uh, it's, it's not as punitive. It's getting so better with, now. We, yeah, with the college, um, that would be the equivalent of like a state board. Yes. In, yeah. in the United States. Yeah. Yes. And state so um, if I understand right, they won't deal with any financial disputes, but do they have no. the ability, besides just suspending or taking your license, do they actually fine you? Yep. If, yeah, if you do some really bad stuff and they have a sense you're hurting more than one patient, like they have a sense this guy's a rotter, then they'll do like a big chart out, they'll investigate, then you have to pay for the investigation, this and the other, because I know of a dentist who just had his license suspended and, and he knew he was getting in trouble. And so then he just started doing fillings and crowns left, right, and center on people who didn't need it, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, so he, he had a big bill. Like a, that seems like odd behavior to me. I would agree. I would agree. You yeah, know, well, this, I, 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 um, I think, I, I think the finding was correct. <laughs> Between wow, you and yeah. the guy, this guy's a bit of a rotter, uh, and um, yeah. he had to pay a big bill, and he, he's got his license suspended, and because he'd been in trouble before, and he's getting in trouble again, and he could see the writing on the wall that a suspension was coming, and so he just really turned up the money machine. Wow, like, wow, make, wow. You know, while it's sunny, make hay. Wow. Well, wow. while he still had a license to do it. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. worked for Pablo Escobar, right? So <laughs> But yeah, so they can get punitive, but honestly, it's it's it's, it's usually it's, you know, you've done something. And is everything that happens in the college public knowledge like yes. like someone's under investigation? Yeah. Do they do they publicly uh, say John Smith was a key has been accused of this, or do they wait until they've finished their investigation before they publish the names? Yeah, they wait. So they have the facts. Generally wait. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Got it. Wow. Um, how about, would, how about for you guys? In Alberta, in Alberta, they, in Alberta, they used to say, you know, they had a hearings list. So if you, you'd have to dig it up, but if you could dig it up, you know, you'd, find who was you know going to go to a hearing or something like that right well so i'm going to back up a little bit to define my version my definition of malpractice and then kind of come forward to this conversation um i you know the the technical definition of malpractice is you know or the standard of care is what a reasonable and prudent dentist would do what clinician would do under the same circumstances within some reasonable uh, set of clinical guidelines, technical guidelines, material guidelines, OSHA guidelines, et cetera. And once you get away from what would be the standard of care, then you start to tread up onto that precipice of malpractice. And, you know, the, in the, the malpractice events, in my experience in expert doing a lot of expert witness work is that they have kind of two, we'll call it anatomies. One is it's a slip and fall, 
which is a lawyer's term for there's a singular event. The car hit the pedestrian. There was an injury. The driver is responsible. And it happened once. There's the slow train wreck type of event where um, the thing, the, the, the malpractice act goes on for weeks, months, years before there's, you know, some manifestation of this larger neglect that's taken place, you know, lack of periodic diagnosis or whatever, whatever that is. Um, to back up to the boards, I don't, I'm not personally worried either on the board level or the lawyer level myself because, and I disagree a little bit about the inevitability that we're going to be brought up by the board or by attorneys for malpractice. Uh, touch wood, you know, I, yeah, I've had board complaints. Um, my last board complaint was kind of funny. Um, the patient had gotten like hundreds of Vicodin in a matter of a week or two. And I was a very young dentist, endodontist at the time. And her general dentist said, you should report her to the, to the nursing board because she's eating Vicodin like candy or she's selling them. Well, I was really stupid. And I reported her to the nursing board. Now, did I have an obligation to report her? Yes. But under the circumstances, should I have reported her? That's a different matter. She was on the speed dial to the Oregon Board of Dentistry that, you know, I put her in a headlock and forced anesthetic in in her face. And it was this big, ugly board complaint. And, uh, you know, and none of the board complaints that I ever had against me had any traction of any kind. They were all dismissed. That said, um, I, I think if you practice inside the lines, you really don't have much to worry about. But the caveat to that is having looked at a lot of cases and done a lot of expert witness work, there's a lot of really bad record keeping. And Tom, you alluded to this earlier in terms of, did you do it right? Essentially, you went through a lot of things about this is the way you do it. And if you do it that way, that's appropriate. And that's standard of care. I would say that in the records that I look at, um, even amongst some of the specialists, that tends to be the exception. And it's kind of like you guys went to dental school, you gals went to dental school. What the hell did you learn about endodontic diagnosis or about treatment planning or about, and then why did you not apply that to your particular case? I'm working on a case right now where the, um, basically the patient, essentially there's a crown prep, patient comes back and um, the doctor sees a crack. Oh, the tooth's got to come out. And she extracts a tooth. And Joel, to your point, there's no pulpal testing. There's no percussion. There's no palpation. There's no diagnosis. There's no nothing. And then she loses the tooth. And as part of losing the tooth goes off, there's infection and all manner of complications out of extraction. Ergo, a lack of basic diagnostic acumen and application of that 
led to this cascading series of bad events. And then in the depositions, the general dentist says, I don't have time to cold test every tooth that comes in my 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 office. And you're kind well, of you might as well just shoot yourself in the face. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I was like, I what? mean, the whole time to diagnose. I'm just here to treat. Yeah. <laughs> and I got stuff going on. I don't got time for all this gold testing. What's yes. wrong with you people? Why, why doesn't the patient just do an app? I want a crown so they don't have to talk yeah. to them in the back room. And you just, <laughs> yeah. God, you guys are so upset <laughs> with all your gold. <laughs> drive through dental. It's like it's like when I go to the emergency room and I say I have stomach pain and they're like you need an appendectomy and I'm like what about the test like I don't got time for no tests. What are you talking about, Tom? I've oh, seen this times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, my god, if you went through in that particular case, I can't get too specific for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, but if you went through the deposition, it was masterful how the patient's lawyer wound the dentist up and the dentist lost it in the deposition. And uh, part of that was basically this dentist did not like having their clinical judgment questioned. And there was a big ego involved and uh, the the dentist just lost her, her cool and it was a big old mess. And I don't know how it's all going to come out, but it was um, really something to listen to and something to behold. Um, I'm going to back up to the college because I'm just really curious. To trigger an investigation from the college, what what does it take to trigger the college looking into the patient and looking into the records? One email, one phone call. They have to investigate everything. Yeah. Really? Well, can't dismiss. Everything. They got to check everything. I uh, I once saw this guy who wanted me to commit insurance fraud, and because he needed a mando and he's or needed a retreat, and he said, and his insurance didn't cover retreats. He covered, you know, RCT but not retreat. And I said, and he said, well, my they told me you should use this code. And I said, your insurance told you you should use that code. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, well, we're not going to do that because anyway, so he phoned back four times, spoke to four different people and they all said, no, we don't do that. And uh, the next thing I know, he canceled his appointment, wrote this huge scathing uh, comment about me on Google or something and how I'm scared. And, you know, he's going to send a, he's going to send a complaint to the college. And so I phoned the college and I said, by the way, you may get an email or something like that. This guy asked me to commit fraud. I said no. So, but by, so just if you get that, you call me and, you know, I'll give you whatever you need, but I'm just here to let you know. They thanked me and they said, well, it's nice that you didn't commit fraud. And uh, that's, that's a good thing to do. I said, oh, he wanted his, he wanted his money back for the exam. And I said, well, no. And the complaint director said, yeah, you shouldn't, you shouldn't give him your money back. She said, there's this misconception that people think if you refund somebody's money, you're declaring fault. She said, you're not. You're just a nice dentist. If you give them some money back, great. And if you have this someone who's like Joel's patient he talked about in the last episode, you know, then sorry, you make my life miserable and you're not getting any money back because I did the treatment. And so, you know, move along. So anyway, it was a nice conversation. And 
it never came to fruition. No, no phone call or email was ever sent. Well, I yeah. tried to preemptively just jump in there. Yeah, there was a case my I, I, Dennis who refers to me was involved with. This Dennis worked as an associate in a multi-dental office, and this Dennis was good at extractions. So this other dentist had planned the you know the immediate denture, and so then this dentist who did the extractions and and then moved on with their life and wasn't working at that office anymore, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then um, it gets a letter from the college, you know, the dentist, the patient doesn't like the denture. And it's like, well, okay, well, it's really, I just did the extraction. I had nothing involved with the denture. Um, anyway, and then they were like, well, we don't like the notes for the extractions. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, but the complaints about the denture, this is back when we were self-governing. Like, yeah, but we don't like the notes about the extraction. So then they gave that dentist a hard time about the extraction. Meanwhile, the patient's fallen off the earth. The college can't even get in touch with the patient anymore. The patient's moved on. Oh. But the college is still chewing at the at the dentist. Like, yeah, we can't get in touch with the patient, but blah, they still went after yeah. the guy. Like, okay. Yeah. that. So they they are morally obliged to investigate everything. Well, so one more question uh, before we wrap up part two and uh, we'll head into part three, which is actually the second mm -hmm. of our 10 questions that we have. Um, who makes up the college? Are they dentists? Are they lay people? Are they retired dentists, active dentists? Who's, who's, who, who decides who's on the college and what compilation of expertise do you have in the college? I think we have one I'll dentist, we have a dental therapist, we have a hygienist, we have an assistant, and then we have a, 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 a then public members. So the dentist is a minority now in the college because it's run by the provincial government. So and how the hell do they how the hell do they have the expertise to judge you? Well, that's that's what all the dentists were kicking up a fuss about, right? Because now yeah. Now the dentist is a minority on the board. They put all the professions into one college now. So we're in the same college as hygienists, uh, dental therapists, denturists, um, as dental assistants. It's all that. And so they have those people on the board too. Um, and so I think it's, it's 13 people. I, uh, mine, I'm a bit inaccurate, but, and, and, you, and you vote for these people too. Having said that, it seems to be working out okay. Because when it was full of dentists, they were, they were, you know, not taking any prisoners and not saying that they're total pushovers, but it seems to have calmed down a bit like it did in Alberta. Cause I remember general dentist in Alberta was like, you don't want a college complaint. Cause, um, no, they, they're just basically like, look, settle, shut up, take, take your punishment. Even if you're right, take a bit of punishment and move mm -hmm. on. And, and, um, so Having said that, even though it changes, it, it's a bit of a front. It hurts when you lose autonomy, but it, they seem to be behaving themselves. Wow. So I got to ask one last question and we will move on. Where did they get their expertise then? Let's say there's a oral surgery case or some specialized accusation of, of malfeasance, malpractice, whatever. How do they determine whether clinically it really was inappropriate? And they'll bring in an oral surgeon on that case. Then. Yeah, they'll outsource and it. Write a report to give them that. So, it, you know, at first it seemed a lot worse than it was going to be. So they bring the guy in and then they basically take that report and run run with it. Got it, got it. All right. Well, let's wrap up part two. Uh, I will see you gentlemen again shortly in part three. 
Thank you. And uh, really enjoying our conversation. We'll continue our discussion of malpractice events, how to stay out of trouble and optimize clinical results. We'll speak again soon.